Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. One of our longest-running shows, Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio, of course, presented by SAP. We're coming to you live. I think it's May 4th. The year is certainly moving ahead very, very quickly. It's 2021. I have a panel of three experts going to talk about a very, very interesting topic. I'll give you the topic before I do my monologue, so I want to keep everybody around. The topic is heads up, and there's a reason I said that. Cloud Adoption Strategy Insider Tips. Ah, you want to stick around for this. So let's get started. What's the buzz? I found an article at Deloitte. How about that? And there's a good reason that I found an article at Deloitte. Here's the quote. What drives IT executives to initiate cloud migration? Good question. This is from a Deloitte survey of more than 500 IT leaders and executives. The survey revealed that security and data protection is, not are, is the top driver. Those are legged together. 58% of respondents ranked number one or number two. Security was top of mind for everyone from C-suite IT executives and senior leaders down or across to IT managers and developers. What's the number two driver for cloud migration? Data modernization, interestingly enough, involving moving data from your legacy to your modern databases. Aha, good motivations. So let's take a look at this trend more closely. Moving to the cloud, it's more than just a technology replacement. Okay, do it here, then do it there. No, it's a mindset change. Very, very important. We talk about change management on many of our Game Changer shows. Mindset is part of cloud migration. That's what we're going to talk about today. The key to cloud adoption is leveraging cloud technology technology is the right way. You want to do it right from the beginning. Taking a center of excellence or what we call a COE approach or an app factory approach, and I'll ask my guest to explain that, with a fail forward, oh, this is all such modern words, fail forward, continuous iteration and improvement mindset. That's a lot to get your arms around. This is already happening in many companies. Why? Well, there are a lot of millennials who are in their early 40s now, I'm told, who are demanding increased automation and digitization of their digitalization, got to say that right, of their key business processes in the companies they work for and rapid application development tools, plus the empowerment of business user, citizen developers. We're going to talk about that. They're less reliant on central IT. They're more interested in developing within LOB's lines of business. They are interested in reducing effort and shortening timelines to get things delivered. So how can your organization, and I'm addressing this to our business listeners all over the world, how can your organization adopt cloud efficiently, productively and the right way at the right time from the start. We have Sarah Lottman at Deloitte. Welcome, Sarah. Very happy to have you. And that's why I picked a Deloitte quote from my buzz, Sarah. Did my homework on that one. We have Chris Aaron and Vipin Varapurath. I hope I said that right, at SAP. And we're going to ask them for their take on our wonderful topic today. Heads up, Cloud Adoption Strategy Insider Tips. As the man said, I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Happy to be here. Shout out to Voice America, our engineer, Aaron Keller. Thank you for getting us on the air, Aaron. We're live on the Business Channel on Voice America. Sarah Lottman, you are up first. Sarah, we'd be honored if you would please introduce yourself a little bit about your bio. What attracted you to work on cloud? What does it mean to you? Just give us a three-minute compression of your career and your passion for the topic. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you. 
Yeah, my name is Sarah Lotman. I'm with Deloitte Consulting, and I've been involved in cloud technology really my entire career. I work closely with uh, different enterprises and teams looking to transform their ERP systems to a modernized cloud landscape. I would say I've always been passionate about seeing companies uh, be successful in adopting new technologies. But early on in my career, I was involved in a, a project to create mobile apps for a company to really drive the supply chain on the shop floor. It was currently a very manual, uh, labor-intensive uh, process, and it was all done on paper. And I'll never forget the gratefulness of those end users who got mobile phones in their hands. They were suddenly able to scan barcodes and automate the cost allocation process. So ever since then, I've been hooked on working with organizations to really modernize uh, legacy ERP platforms to cloud technologies and just being able to see the large-scale benefits that moving to the cloud brings. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Sarah. That's The mindset part is what I really want to make sure we focus on, that it's a business culture. Is it, Sarah? It's a culture. It's yes. management. It's leadership. It's why are you going there? What are you planning to do? What are your goals? How are you going to wrap the company's collective arms around the process and do it the right way? Sarah, we're very happy to have you here. And by the way, I, I host a show called The Kinetic Enterprise Built to Evolve with Deloitte. And we're always happy to continue to see Deloitte specialists here on our Game Changer show. So we're very happy to have you. And Thanks. now let's go to, oh, thank you, Chris Aaron. Chris, you've been on so many times with me. Happy to have you back. Chris, uh, as I say to my returning guests, there might be, in your case, 5.7 people who don't remember you. Shame on them. So why don't you talk to those 5.7 and remind them who you are, what you do. And Chris Aaron, what is your passion for the topic? Welcome, Chris. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Um, so I started my career back in the 90s, right, um, in the UK. And um, I was working for Ericsson at the time. And Basically, my first job out of college was helping uh, transfer ownership of cell phone towers from Ericsson to the mobile operator. And so it's sort of a baptism of fire into adoption, right? Helping this customer get up and running with their network. Mm -hmm. and, and like Sarah said, I mean, I think those first career experiences that you have, it sort of changes your DNA somewhat, right? You, you become customer focused and, and you really want to focus on customers being successful. So I think that stayed with me as I've moved to the States and, um, you know, I've always been now in international roles, right? So meeting with customers in Asia and Latin America, et cetera. And it's always important to me that, you know, that there's a relationship there, right? You're not just selling software, you're, you're helping them achieve business objectives, right? So um, I'm delighted that uh, starting in January this year, um, I'm focusing purely on customer adoption for SAP, and um, I feel like, yeah, this, it's been 20 years building up to this role of uh, helping customers be successful. Thank you, Chris. Nice to see that progression. I'm glad you're going in that direction and proud because that's where companies need to be today. So we need evangelists and advocates and welcome back. Let's go to our third panelist, Vipin. I want to ask you to pronounce your last name so I make sure I get it right. Go ahead. Tell me your full name, please. 
Yeah, sure. Uh, so thanks for having me. I'm Nitin Varaparat, uh, based out of Germany. Uh, moved in moved in Germany in 2019, uh, and I'm global product success lead for uh, SAP Business Technology Platform uh, uh, in the customer engagement and uh, experience organization. So this this theme is all about bunch of smart people, you know, who helps and uh, takes our customers to be successful in cloud and driving cloud adoption. So that's that's and I've been in six years in this team, uh, you know, uh, in in supporting uh, the the driving cloud cloud adoption storyline. Before before this, I was in SAP consulting, in fact, doing an implementation for cloud uh, for cloud transformation. So I've been in cloud world for a long time, and Bonnie. Uh, I, I listened to one of your uh, chat show, uh, one of the previous night coming coming into this show. This first time for me here, so I want to share a little anecdote there. We share kind of similar experience starting our career. Uh, I started my career also in COBOL language. Yeah, I mean, just, I just wanted to place it out there. <laughs> so I, I've seen the COBOL screens, and I, I know exactly what you mean uh, in, in in the in the show. <laughs> Um, you are very charming. You are. Thank you. I, I, yeah, a lot of people know I started out as a, what they used to call programmer analyst coding in COBOL on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5. Vipin, you have my heart, my friend. You have my heart I'm for so, mentioning yes. that. Thank you. Go ahead. Continue your introduction, please. <laughs> right. and, and, and cloud adoption, uh, as, as you rightly said in the beginning, cloud adoption is all about business transformation. It's a mindset change. And and that's that's a real passion. It brings a lot of different challenges to the companies. You know, helping helping the coach, uh, helping helping coach the business transformation, helping helping coach the mindset transformation, helping bring the leadership into the organization to actually drive the cloud adoption. That's what that's what drives me. And you know, come back to the job every day. You know, that's something I've been doing for in, in this job very specifically for the last six years. Very specifically, every morning I get up and think, hey, you know, what's the new strategy? What's the new story I can tell? You know, what's the new challenge I can address today? Uh, to help, you know, drive that change in, in, in driving the cloud adoption with, with our customers. Thank you very much. I appreciate the passion all three of you have expressed about it. What, what is this expression? If you love what you do, you don't go to work. You just, you love what you do. You love your life. It's not a job. It's something you do that you contribute. It makes you happy. It has a result for somebody else, in this case, your customers. But maybe it's a bigger result is the world. The world needs to move to cloud, right? For security, for efficiency, for everything. There's so many benefits. So I, I sound like a cloud evangelist right now. There you go. This is, thank you all for the introductions. And Vipin, you are forever in my heart for mentioning COBOL. Thank I, you. <laughs> I still have my COBOL book. I have the silver handbook and I still have green bar paper from the days when I was coding. <laughs> Sarah, do you know what green bar paper is? Do you remember it, Chris? You ever heard of it? When, when you did a, a report on the computer, well, in the computer room, they printed out the code and it was on paper that has green and white lines across and the code is printed. And sometimes a program could be an inch thick of paper and it folds. It's, I, I don't know what the size of the sheet is. It might be, oh, I don't know, 18 inches by 14 inches, something like that. And it folds automatically when it comes out, it folds like an accordion. So you get a stack and I still have green bar paper vipping from my COBOL. And I was also a PL1 programmer on an IBM 4341. And I still have some stacks of green bar paper with all of the code and all the instructions. So good memories, very, very good memories. So let's move on. Thank you very much. You honored Absolutely. me. You honored me. Okay, Sarah Lotman, you're up first. This is the part of the show where I've asked my guests to send me a quote from a movie, a song, a TV show character. Somebody sent me a quote from a comedian a couple weeks ago and I accepted it because it was a really cool quote. And the quote on its surface has 
absolutely zero to do with our topic, but my guests are going to explain in their own words, whether they're poetic, prosaic, philosophical, it doesn't matter why they chose the quote and what it does have to do with our topic. So Sarah has chosen a quote, this was brand new to me, said by the lizard, who is the alter ego of geneticist, Dr. Curtis Kurt Connors, played by Reese Ifan, the main antagonist in, I think everybody in the audience will know this one, The Amazing Spider-Man, a 2012 American superhero film based on the Marvel character, comic comics character Spider-Man, and sharing the title of the character's longest-running comic book series of the same name. Dr. Connors researched the ability of certain reptiles to regrow their missing limbs. Here's the quote. Sarah, you got to bail me out on this one. one. One has to adapt to survive. I think he thought he was quoting Darwin. Sarah, talk to me. What is the lizard really saying? Go ahead. Sure. First of all, I love comic books and uh, Spider-Man by far is my favorite one. But the reason why I chose the quote, one has to adapt to survive is I believe this quote speaks perfectly to businesses and enterprises that really have to be able to adapt in the quickly changing world to be able to survive. So I kind of look at this as uh, companies, some companies being digital dinosaurs. And that means companies that came up before maybe the world of the internet or the capabilities of of the cloud. Um, And looking also at how the global pandemic has demanded that companies have to change the way that customers are served and they have to be able to adapt really quickly. Uh, I look at innovative companies like Amazon, right? They have achieved tremendous growth. They change their business model frequently. Um, You know, going after Whole Foods as an example to target a whole new market segment Mm -hmm. and look at how they're disrupting pharmaceutical companies to try to gain traction. And Mm -hmm. successful companies like that, they look at new and disruptive ways to gain market share. And so because of that, it's important for companies, they have to be agile, they have to adopt uh, quickly changing demands from customers. And from a technology perspective, cloud is really the way to do that. Um, Cloud helps companies adapt quickly. It allows companies to transform their business processes fast. It enables innovative technologies that companies wouldn't be able to take advantage of being in an on-premise world. Uh, cloud is absolutely table stakes. It's needed to survive, and companies have to find a way to adapt. Thank you very much. Interesting that you mentioned that. Sarah, there used to be an expression. Some people use it personally. Stay in your lane. Well, that's gone, right? Sarah? Yeah. <laughs> there is there is no lane anymore. It's interesting because we've been talking for many years on many of my Game Changers business shows about industry lines are blurring. Right. We talked about newcomers in the banking world who is offering banking services. Well, it's not just banks anymore. Who is offering pharmaceuticals is not just drugstores anymore. So your point is so well taken, Sarah, that Amazon is is a model in terms of where are we going to go next? And are we going to knock on the door? Are we going to break down the silo? Are we going to, I don't know, take the barricades away? We're going to say, we can do that too. And that's very interesting. That's a, we talked about change of mindset in my opening for the show, a mindset for businesses. What you're saying is look outside of what your, your lane is, what you're supposed to be. Forget the business plan from five, 10 years ago, five months ago. What can you do well 
in other lanes. And, and I guess that means everybody is in, in danger of encroachment from other companies into what they thought was their industry. Very, Chris is nodding. I love Zoom, Chris, because I get to see the emotional reactions. Sarah, thank you. Really, really great points. And I appreciate the quote. And I still think the lizard thought he was Darwin when he said that. So, <laughs> and, I, and, and Darwin never said the words that you thought he said. It was Professor Leon C. Meganson who read Darwin and paraphrase, but it was never really Darwin's words. And I know that because I do too much research on my guest quotes. Let's go to Chris. We're losing Vipin's audio, video from time to time, but we know he's still there. So Chris, I'm looking at your opening quote here. You sent me a quote from Nene or Nainai, I don't know how to pronounce it, played by Zhao Shuzhen in the movie The Farewell, 2019 American comedy drama film bilingual in English and Mandarin Chinese. And it stars the, the young Asian actress who is making her way in film everywhere, Aquafina. What an interesting name. And uh, other names, some of which I, I cannot pronounce. It follows a Chinese-American family who learned their grandmother has only a few days, weeks, months to live. They decide not to tell her about her own medical future, and they schedule a family gathering before she dies. And it's part of the experience, life experience of the director, Lulu Wang. So here is the quote. I'm going to read it long. I walk the path of life, and I have to say, you will face with difficulties, but you have to have an open mind. Don't be like a bull hitting his horns all over the walls of the room. Life isn't just about what you do. It's more about how you do it. Chris, this is a chills, goosebump kind of a quote. So why don't you bail me out? I'm going to put you on speaker view. And what does this have to do with our topic? Go ahead, Chris. You know, first of all, I think with the pandemic, um, you know, this movie slipped me by and it may have slipped other people by and really recommend it. It's a real sweet movie. Like you described, Bonnie, uh, that, that these um, people of Chinese descent who are living in the States and they, they go back to China to say goodbye to the, the, the matriarch of the family. And yeah, it's just, it's such a great movie. And uh, I have children, young children in the sort of teenage years. And they were asking me about the, the premise of the movie, right? That you don't tell people mm-hmm. when they're about to die. So yeah, it's a thought provoking movie. And yeah, I, I think it, you know, there's a little bit of reflecting on your life and circumstance, right? And as we were getting ready for today's uh, topic, I, I just felt the quote, you know, it, it What's the word? It visualized for me, right? This bull in the room creating mayhem, right? That, um, yeah, as, as we're talking about cloud adoption today, yeah, it, it's, uh, you're going through life, but it really matters how you go through life. And so, as Sarah was talking about, there's a lot of disruption out there and, you know, you've got to embrace these technological challenges with a positive mindset. Um, I'm a very positive person. And so I'm always looking at technology as, as an exciting transformation opportunity. And I think that's important for the listeners today to, to think about this as an opportunity and, and not feel threatened. So. Thank you very much. It's a beautiful quote, Chris. I bypassed the movie. I chose not to see it or stream it because of the the topic of the grandma dying. Uh, So many people in my family are gone, and I felt I I just didn't have enough Kleenex to see a movie like that. But anything with Aquafina is probably a really, really interesting movie. I've seen her in a couple of things. So thank you for sharing the quote. It it is lovely. And uh, words of life, not just of technology. And Vipin has sent us a quote from the narrator, third person, following Harry Potter, voiced by, and there's a debate on who actually in the film voiced the voice, 
Vippen, and I came up with the actor Stephen Fry. I hope that's the right one. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, 2005 fantasy film, of course, based on J.K. Rowling's 2000 novel of the same name. And let's see if there's anything else I need to tell you. The film is the first of a series to receive a PG-13 certificate in the U.S., and they call that 12A in the U.K., and I have all kinds of interesting information I'm not going to read to you. I'm just going to read the quote now. So I have this much from my research. Here's the quote Vippen has selected. Time will not slow down when something unpleasant lies ahead. Boy, that's true. Vipin, I'm putting you on speaker view. Talk to me. What in the world does this have to do with our topic? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, I need to thank my daughter for this. Um, um, I mean, she made me an ardent Harry Potter fan. Now it's in, it's in our regular uh uh, you know, uh, monthly monthly agenda uh, to have a movie night of one Harry Potter movie. Uh, it's just got into our calendar on a on a regular basis. Um, so, what this has to go 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 with the, our our topic? So, if 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 you remember the movie, the movie is all about it. It comes in the Goblet of Fire, and Harry 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 is thinking this to himself and say, "Hey, no, I mean, it's it's coming after uh, a in the Triwizard Tournament, and if you know Harry Potter." Uh, Harry Potter movie. If you've seen that, um, it's it's coming after you know the, after the Travis tournament and Lord Voldemort has has you know uh, has come come back to life. So he knows there are a lot of unpleasant things that's going to happen that he has to deal with. But having said, he's reassuring himself that time will not stop and he would have to deal with himself. So what comes to the clouded option? The clouded option is is here is is real here. We 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 have clouded option. Now cloud is real. It's present and it's and uh, and and we have to deal with it. Uh, as, uh, and, and everyone has to deal with it, um, and, and this is how we, how we deal with it. Now, one thing is we have to plan and prepare for it, and we all know there's a mindset shift and mindset change uh, that that is required to deal with it. And this is all not always a very pleasant experience. This this would be kind of this would have an unpleasant experience. But having said that, you know the consequence of not acting on acting on this would be uh, by far be more disruptive than embracing the change change management or embracing that mindset to mindset required for it. So uh, again, uh, and COVID has taught us a good lesson here. You know, uh, with with COVID out there, the pace of change that was that was required, the entire business dynamics got changed in, in a matter of few months. So you we had to really get get on get on with the pace, get on with this, get on with this change, and get going. Time in time will not stop for us. We have to get embrace the change. You know, it's time for embracing the change boldly and and getting ahead on 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 the on the train with uh with, with adopting adopting the cloud. And hey, you know, I mean, the Harry Potter. We know we all know who won a blast. So it's it's always going to be in the in the in the good context. Like we know who is going to win, and and it's just all about time uh, and and embracing the change now, living and living in the present. Thank you very much, Vipin. Very, very interesting. I'm keeping us in gallery view because you're on your phone now, so we don't have a visual of you, but I'm hoping you, there you are, you're coming back. Vipin, uh, interesting quote and the idea of time doesn't slow down when unpleasant things are happening. And, and the implication there is that if people don't listen to this radio show today and get words of wisdom from Sarah and from Chris and from you, Vipin, they might have unpleasant times. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it should be, and we talked about mindset in the beginning. It should be an adventure. Chris, you outlined, underlined, bolded verbally the word opportunity. It shouldn't be unpleasant. It should be, this is where we need to go. This is how we're going to get there. We've got a plan. We will 
step over those stepping stones. We will make sure we keep going over anything we trip over and we will listen to Chris and Sarah and Vipin and help to figure out a way to make that a smoother path. I'm being a little poetic here. Vipin, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you to the three of you for picking such excellent quotes. I appreciate that. And now it's the time when we're going to get down to the real seriousness of the topic here, but we've been talking about it since the beginning. Sarah Lotman, you're up first. I'm selecting your statement number two. Let me just tell the listeners, I've asked my guests to send me four discussion statements each. We'll probably get to one from each of them. I will select as the moderator. I'll select one statement and let my guests know. Sarah already knows. I'm going with her statement number one. I will read it. And then I'll ask Sarah to expand it. Sarah, as I say on the news, unpack it. Take about three minutes and then it's open season. I will go to Chris and ask him to agree or disagree with what Sarah said. Chris will add his three minutes of thought leadership. If you just say, I agree or disagree, then the show is over. We need to hear from you. And Vipin, then you get the pleasure of agreeing or disagreeing with Sarah and or Chris twice as much. And then I'll pick a statement from Chris. We'll go around the table and one from Vipin. So let's see where we go. Sarah, I liked your statement number one. That's why I picked it. You say low and no code tools to enable the citizen developer. And I highlighted that in my opening are great, but the tools cannot fully remove the need to have full stack developers. Developers will always be needed for more complex requirements. Sounds like job security. Sarah Lottman, I'm putting you on full speaker view here. Go with it. Tell us what this all means. Go ahead. Sure. So uh, before I get into unpacking this, I just have to uh, fully disclose that I come from a full stack developer background, Uh, very passionate about app dev. And during my day to day, I lead uh, technical developers. Look, I I think low-code tools are really great, right? I think what we've talked about is that companies have to find a way to um, deliver more and more value to the business quicker, right? And that's where low-code tools definitely have a place. Um, But that said, I also believe that low-code frameworks have certain limitations, uh, what they what they do do well is they're meant to allow a business or a functional user to drag and drop or use different templates to deliver applications really quickly. Um, and these tools are valuable, but at some point you do hit a limit on what they can actually uh, deliver. A lot of real business requirements, they're complex, and a lot of times it requires a full stack developer to build the solution that's really ready for the enterprise. And I'll give you a practical example. So one team I'm working with, uh, they have challenged the business folks to be able to deliver mobile applications using low no-code tools. Um, And the business folks love it, right? I mean, they don't necessarily come from a computer science background, but to be able to drag and drop and deliver a full-fledged application, I think is very satisfying for those people. Uh, But what we found is only about 20% of the applications can be done without an actual software developer. Um, And those 20% are very simple applications, simple approvals, if you will, Uh, But the remaining 80% needs controls or some kind of functionality outside of what the low-code software delivers. And that's where a full-stack developer comes in, build the remaining requirements to fulfill that gap. So in summary, low-code citizen development, it's great. But I believe to get 100% of the way, uh, you really need a full-stack developer. Thank you. And Sarah, would you do me the the favor, please, of just build out 
the topic, the, the term full stack developer? Is this somebody who actually yeah. works with code? And low code to me yeah. would be uh, you go on, let's say GoDaddy, you buy a website, you buy a domain, and then it says overnight you can build a website and you drag and drop <laughs> a few things and bingo, there's my new gorgeous website. So that's low yeah. code. But what, what would full stack be as opposed to, I come from a coding background and I'm interested sure. in, in your terminology. Go ahead. Yeah, so... Um, Part of what the cloud introduces to developers are different programming languages. Um, Open source has really become the norm and developers now are expected to understand uh, sort of what we call the backend development. You might have the database, the API layer, and there's languages like Java um, that could be required. But then also you have front end, right? So Angular, all kinds of different development. And that's where I'm building a mobile app or I'm building a front end screen. So when I say full stack developer, it means uh, somebody who understands all of the different open source languages out there. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Now let's go around the table. We have a lot of talk about here. Chris Aaron, agree or disagree with Sarah Lottman. I'm putting you on speaker view. Go ahead. Well, I, I respect Sarah a great deal. So I think I'm going to try and use the English language here to say that I'm going to be a little contrarian. Um, so, so I think, you know, what, what Sarah's talking about, absolutely correct. I would never dispute what she uh, is saying there. But I think what it reveals is this friction, right, that has been going on between the business and IT for a while. Um, as we've been talking about the cloud and this this need to to move quicker, right? To be agile. And uh, I think there's this friction in the organization, right? That there's this need to move at speed, to, to fail forward, like we said, Bonnie, mm-hmm. in the introduction. And so what, what I'm seeing at customers, right, is, is things like the modular enterprise or a microservices-based architecture, right? There's basically IT moving into the business more to be a COE, to be a consultant, to really help the business move faster. And, and you know, I've worked at big enterprise companies before where I was on the business side. So I guess in disclosure, like Sarah had, I should disclose that I've had frustrations with IT in the past mm-hmm. about wanting to move faster, right? So, yeah. so I see this evolution of the cloud, of the technology, of all these modern approaches that there's this 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 paradigm shift between IT and business, these two separate organizations, right? There's this need to work together to solve these problems. Like we mentioned, there's these disruptors entering the business or the industry, mm-hmm. right? And it's got to be all hands on deck to change the business model, to change uh, the, the capabilities, the IP of a company. And so, See, I, I see this this need of citizen developers, right? The IT has to empower the business to be self-functioning. And like Sarah says, it's probably just 20% of use cases right now. But if businesses are going to be successful long-term, they've got to empower the business to, you know, support themselves as much as possible. And IT sort of becomes a consultant within the business, not, not a standalone factory that provides full-stack solutions. So that would be my my spin on, on what Sarah was saying. We like spin. Sarah, hold that thought. I think you want to respond, but let's get Vipin, Vipin into the game here. Vipin, you're up. Why don't you give us your agree or disagree with Sarah and or with Chris, and then Sarah, I'll give you a chance to rebut or respond. Let's put it. This is a good discussion. Vipin, talk to us. What do you think? 
Well, I, I'm a big fan of creating and philosophies. Um, so, and, and this is where I, bring, I do believe in the cloud adoption is a team sport. Uh, you know, it, it's a team sport where business mm-hmm. and IT have to play together. And that's, that's a big mind shift change as well that, that it plays in. And, and there are roles what, where both business plays an important role and, and IT plays an important role. Uh, you know, and, and, and the way I always see this is, um, is you know, in, in the organization world, both business and IT, they would be driving in different driving lanes, which is fine. And, 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 and of course, they would have some defined fit stuff, which would be their interaction points between them when to, to know and align on various, various strategies going forward. You know, but having said that, even if they are in driving lanes, it would actually differ, you know, who is in the driver's seat and who is in the navigation seat. So maybe in one driving lane should be business at the driver's seat and IT at the navigation seat, whereas in the, uh, the other driving lane, it, the, roles, the roles will get reversed. And I, I stack up this philosophy as, as you know, stack of pancakes, uh, right? I start with a line of business discussion. Uh, that's, that's my bottom pancake. And line of business discussion would be about, hey, you know, what should I be doing in line of business? And how, how should I be transforming my line of business? Uh, to help help achieve that, and that's that's probably a discussion that that's possibly a discussion where business is at the driver's seat, whereas IT is at the the navigation seat. Maybe that's that's place where the no coach uh, developers play a big role because you know there are quick requirements and there I can lower the dependency on IT and I can quickly spin out few things. Now the next two stack I put in the third pancake uh, uh, philosophy. Uh, there are uh, two pancakes I put together. And one is an architecture-driven engagement. Like I'm building on a line of business. Now, how can I, you know, complete and connect with my other systems in my landscape from an IT point of view to bring an end-to-end business process? You know, and, and that's, that's one part of it. And the next discussion is about an, an IT strategy discussion. And uh, it's about replatforming. You know, I also have a lot of legacy applications. Is that going to support my business going forward? How do I really move that? How do I replatform the discussion? So these two, the number two and number three, uh, the architecture discussion, end-to-end business process architecture discussion, along with replatforming discussion, is a place where I see IT taking a driver's seat, where business would be more in the navigational seat out, out there. Then I put, again, one more pancake on top of this. this. This would be, you know, where should I go further from there? That's more of a thought leadership, a C-level discussion. You know, as an organization, what should be my goal or what should be my strategy five years down the line? What should be my strategy 10 years down the line? Uh, how should I be? How should I be differentiating myself, my organization, in the in in the in, in the market space? You know, everyone is competing for the same space. How should I be de- defining that? So that that's possibly a place where you know uh, business and IT could be in the both in the driver's seat. Where you you need both to work together at this at the space. Uh, maybe in a competing competing role. Uh, sometimes in a competing role. Sometimes in a, in a in a joint mode to see you know what's my right strategy to tackle tackle and get me to that five years plan. You know how can I as a company really differentiate myself uh, out out there in the market. And my last pancake on top of this is uh, start small in cloud. You know that that's always always uh, always the uh, um, philosophy you know rule of thumb. Like I always say hey, you know start small in cloud. Start with a small pilot. And this pilot could be one of you, know, you can take that pilot scenario from one of these pancakes in the in the stack, or it could be at the max you should only cut through the two pancakes. Do not try to bite more than two pancakes in that. Just cut one pancake, and based on you know which of the pancake you're biting through, 
one of those one of those roles one of uh, one of one of those person I will will take the driver's seat it could be you know business a no code user if it is in line of business or maybe a low code user in the in the line of business as manufacturing development architecture driven replatforming it would totally be a pro code user uh, scenario who would be taking taking a taking a driver's seat so again i just repeat it uh, i would say it's a team sport you know both people come together and that's a big mindset mindset shift you know you need both you need both of the people and both personas to play an equal and important role in the organization to drive cloud adoption. Thank you, Vipin. Team sport, that's an interesting take. Sarah, you started a really, really good roundtable <laughs> conversation. I'm going to let you go back to both of them. Anything you want to say back to Chris and or Vipin, Sarah? Yeah, so Chris, you brought up something, I think, uh, underscores why low, low no-code and citizen development is so important. And I completely agree with you that there does at times seem to be this tension or this friction between the business and IT, right? And that's where things like citizen development uh, become so important. And and Vipin, you talked about how both business and IT are incredibly important to be in the driver's seat, depending on what aspect you're talking about cloud. Um, one thing I do want to point out, though, it's my belief that these low no-code uh, platforms are not have not matured to the point where you could have 20% or more than 20% of the use cases being built on them. And I just kind of think back to things like when machine learning was, was first introduced. Uh, in my opinion, the technology was way, way farther along than we were able to comprehend. Um, I think back then we thought, oh, it's going to automate everything and robotic process automation is going to take jobs. And largely that has not happened. I think we're just scratching the surface with low, no code uh, platforms. So, you know, ask me in five years if the situation has changed. And my guess is it, it will. Sarah? I'm going to book a show for five years from today so <laughs> we can all get back together and have this conversation. That seems to be the, the mark on the calendar forward. Thank you again. That was a really great conversation starter. Appreciate it. Let's move on. I'm looking at the clock. We got time for one from Chris and one from Vipin. But if we go into these robust roundtables, who knows how much we'll cover? I'm loving this. Chris Aaron, statement number three you sent me. Listen, this reflects, goes back to one of my opening statements in my monologue. Chris says, it's only natural for younger leaders, and you're going to have to define what that means. Is it younger to the workforce? Is it younger in terms of chronology? Are we talking Z? Are we talking X? Which gen? Okay. It is only natural for younger leaders to raise the bar on enterprise standards. The water level is only going to keep on rising, so IT needs to learn to be comfortable not touching the bottom. Chris, did you get this from a movie somewhere? This, this, I'm looking for the scene in a movie that will describe this. Chris, I'm putting you on speaker view. Why don't you take us through this? What does it mean? And then Vipin, I'll ask you to respond, and Sarah, agree or disagree. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so obviously I was very visual in that, that statement, right? Yep. And um yeah, I, th- I think what I meant by the younger workers, right, is just naturally, right, we're seeing millennials, as you mentioned in the intro, becoming managers now, right? Um, but, you know, we don't have to give people labels, right? You know, uh, th- there's certainly older workers that are pushing for innovation and use of, of new technology. But um, as Sarah was mentioning, you know, there- there's machine learning, RPA, you know, automation coming into the enterprise, um, you know, 
the smartphone, right, uh, is, 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 is that, that millennial generation, right? They've known nothing else, right, besides having a smartphone. And so it's that basically what I was trying to get to is this mindset, right, of embracing these new technologies faster. Um, as Sarah said, right, they're not eliminating jobs. If anything, they're just making the enterprise more productive, right? And so we're talking about the cloud and, and moving your landscape to the cloud. And I think it was Sarah said earlier, there's also an opportunity to embrace these intelligent technologies that might not have been around when the on-premise landscape was designed. And as Vipin was giving that beautiful analogy of the pancakes, right, that architecture mm-hmm. discussion, um, it's important to look at new ways to do things. And um, I think it was also Vipin talking about, you know, changing your business model, entering new industries. So that's what these these technologies enable, right, is uh, a more open network, right? Um, I'll, I'll pick oil and gas as an example, right? You used to have these, these mega oil and gas companies that did everything from drilling the oil out of the ground to refining the oil to distributing it to gas stations, right? And over the last 10 years, that that industry is sort of fragmented and you've got a lot of specialist companies now. Some do the fracking and the drilling, some do the distribution, some do the retail part of it. And so there's an example, right, where you have to be more open and more connected. And so things like RPA and AI, right, those technologies help you compete in this modern landscape. So, yeah, I think when I was saying that IT doesn't have to touch the bottom anymore, maybe that applies to business as well. It's all stakeholders. Like Vipin was saying, it's a team sport now um, that, yeah, you've got to be brave and got to got to fail forward. You've got to be ambitious to uh, to succeed in life. So. Thank you. And to succeed in cloud, let's go around the table. Vipin, you're virtually sitting next to Chris, regardless of how it looks on your screen. So why don't you agree or disagree with Chris Aaron? Vipin, please. I, I totally uh, agree. Agree to what Chris said. Um, it's um, it's 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 changing. It's always changing dynamics in the cloud world, and and that's that's what makes it a little unpredictable. You know, the the uneasy uneasy part of of the cloud uh, that comes that kicks in, and, and that and, and on the other hand, side, you know, that's also what it makes it more exciting. And you know, I mean, who knows what what the business would look like? You know, the IT IT technology keeps spinning up, new technology keeps spinning up every two to three years. You know, who knows what what the new technology new you know kid on the block would be uh, in, in five years down the line you know when we, we are hearing new names new greek names with technology you know uh, like every two years uh coming coming out of different open open source foundations so we do not know what what it looks like and and uh so you have to keep adapting to this new technology and doesn't mean like you know the innovation has to stop and that it will always be a learning curve and, and on the learning curve and what would be more important and what the millennial generation asks for is a consumer-grade kind of experience out there, um, you know, to dealing with the systems, be dealing with the business systems. You know, your, your business systems, your, the way you're dealing with your enterprise system should, should similarly feel like, you know, hey, you're going out and doing a shopping in some online store. And that's that's the kind of the easiness that, uh, that 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 is expected, and and the way the technology innovation, you know, especially the cloud is going, is more enabling that experience for the end end users. You know, maybe a solution that you develop today, maybe uh, the shelf life of the solutions are not ten or twenty years like how it used to be in the past. It is now 
five years, you, know, you might have to just throw off that application or completely reflux platform that application to be more relevant at that time, more appealing to that audience at that time, five years down the line. So if you're booking a show five years down the line, please bring me in as well. We should be discussing the same point. And again, I just someone in time. So, okay. so yes. Uh, uh, so, um, and, and again, uh, so the, those those experiences, those technologies will definitely be be driving would be would be a driving factor, and and of course the new the experience at that point in time would again force on top of that, you know, would that, that or technology will enable those experiences that is required at that point in time to drive those adoption 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 strategies. So be it whatever would be, be the technology what we are talking about. Thank you, Vipin. All right, I won't put the same topic, but I'll book the show for five years from now. Sarah Lottman, we would love to have you respond to either or both. Go ahead, Sarah. Sure. Yeah, so I, I agree with what Chris and, and Vipin are saying um, as, as far as leadership and the different generations coming into the workforce and also about um, how quickly technology is changing and how people need to be able to, to adapt uh, full disclosure, I am a millennial, um, a, a late millennial. And so I was, you know, raised without a smartphone until I was, I don't know, uh, starting in college. And okay. um, yeah, and it's funny because uh, my son, who's learning how to drive right now, says, Mom, how did you get anywhere without a, a GPS? Like, it just blows his mind. He can't imagine. <laughs> And so I think the difference between the two, right, as a millennial, I'm tech savvy, but my son is tech native. Um, He grew up with, you know, the mini computer, a.k.a. the iPhone in his hand, and he has very different expectations when it comes to um, his experience and, and what he expects. And so I think, you know, it's accurate that at least with the companies or the teams that I work with, um, millennials are more likely to be in an architect. Um, we, we set a manager type role. But I do believe that once Gen Z becomes fully embedded in the workforce, things are, are going to change. They have different experience, different expectations. Um, and so I do see them coming in, revolutionizing what we look at at cloud today. And then probably all of us will have to start the the learning process all over again on what being tech native and cloud native really means to the business. Thank you very much. I'm remembering early pictures of my granddaughter, who, by the way, is graduating from college in two weeks. And I remember a picture of her about six months old, and she was they propped her baby seat up uh, uh, on a chair in front of a computer, and she fell asleep on the keyboard. And I don't know whether my son and my daughter-in-law realized that, that her life was going to be computer-driven, if you were. And her sister, was had her, they had their own computers when they were very young, and, and her sister used to play My Little Pony on a computer in her room when she was six years old and I went to visit them and said, look, grandma, uh, look, I'm changing the colors and I'm doing this. And I said, what is this? And she's this six-year-old fully versed in playing a game. I, I'm sorry, just <laughs> listen. I'm considered an early woman in tech. Vipin knows that because I was one of the, I wasn't the first, but I was, Sarah, you were where you are millennials. I'm a boomer. I admit to that. I'm not telling you what part of the boomer cohort, but I'm boomer. And and uh, tech was not our first language. We didn't have cell phones. We were key punching. We didn't have terminals where you could enter the strokes. You had to sit down and, and punch the code into a card deck and deliver that to the computer room. And they had to put it through a machine that read the little bump 
bumps and dots on the card. And that put the, so I, I see it from completely the opposite end, but certainly it's been an interesting ride to develop the knowledge of all of this technology. Chris, briefly, very briefly, comment back to them because I have one very important topic from Vipin I want to go to. Chris, what do you okay, think? Okay, yeah, very quickly. We'll see if Gen Z lets us come back in five years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche. That was good. Vipin, I'm looking at your statement number two. I think this is a good place to wrap up our conversation. You say cloud adoption follows cloud maturity model. And Vipin says cloud maturity model, I asked him to define it for me, a coin a term coined from our experience talks about crawl, walk, run in cloud adoption. Start small, get help. We mentioned start small. Build skill sets. Evangelize cloud within the organization. We turned about mindset through hackathons. You're going to talk about that. Move forwards. Rinse and repeat adoption model and how an organization can adopt it. This applies through the organization, not just by any one individual. Vipin, this is a great message to leave our listeners with. So why don't you explain the walk, the crawl, crawl, walk, run, rinse, and repeat. Go ahead, Vipin. Absolutely love to. So uh, from our experience, again, uh, this is totally coming from our experience saying, you know, I mean, how, how do, how do we adopt cloud? And, and, and we, we discussed in the opening, it involves a lot of uh, change management, uh, change management ele- elements to it. So, uh, Going back to the discussion would be is you know uh, on, on how to start adopting is we start you know there is step one to it and step one is start small you know identify a very small scenario a very small use case that you would want to uh, you know drive drive into drive into cloud you may not have the skills at that point in time but that's okay you know get help get 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 yourself educated you know there are there are there are people who would have tried this before there are uh, armies armies of other consultants that is available to come and help to you uh, so just definitely definitely bring help from them. You know, and, and, and work on that uh, small uh, scenario, start small and, and, and uh, you know, get that live. And, and, and the timeline for in the cloud world, this could be, you know, anywhere from two to uh, two to three months. You know, that, that's a small scenario that you, you would want to, want, want to target. Now, step two is, is completely investing in your people. You know, what's the skill set that required, you know, for the step one to make you go live? You know, just invest on that. And what step? What what are the skills that you would require to actually, you know, adapt your business 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 to the future? So invest in people more, more get more of the educational op- opportunities in place, and really grow the grow the team. You know, that's that's that step two of, of building of building the space. Now, step three it talks about uh, you know building a center of expertise uh, within 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 an organization, and this is you know uh, going going about and doing this. Enablement, doing this uh, use case development on your own in an in an organization, and and this is this is actually a step where you would still be evangelizing the the cloud uh, scenarios, the cloud use case, cloud adoption within within the organization. You know, you as a company would be evangelizing. You would still might might want to get the help from the experts out there now and, and look into how to evangelize this. I mean, you can you can do hackathons. You can you can do. Uh, summits, various developer conferences, developer summits within your organization. Bring business and IT together. Take take some you know innovative use cases like five different scenarios business is facing and try to solve them quickly over you know a weekend hackathon and try to show the business business value uh, business value of you know I mean these these skills the new technologies uh, can can bring into the business that get the people get the people excited. And step four is is all about talking you know how to take this to the next level where you can do this in a self-sustained way. And instead of you going to approach 
uh, and and do this uh, every time. But you know, people are asking for more hackathons. People ask people come to business, come to you, asking for more developer conferences. You know, when are we doing this? When how can we solve this problem? And 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 get that into a rinse repeat model of of evangelizing uh, a cloud adoption within the organization. And this is how we could say you know you could achieve a cloud maturity model and and you know and and go in a self sustained model of driving cloud adoption. Thank you very much. Very interesting. Yeah, I want to leave the listeners with the idea of a cloud maturity model, and I'm glad you brought that up, Vip. And let's very quickly, we got three and a half minutes left to the show. Sarah Lotman, I'm going to keep us on gallery view and let you respond to Vip and agree or disagree. What do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. As a developer, there's so much value in hackathons. Um, just really briefly, I worked with a large global company. They had uh, centers all over the world and they were starting their cloud journey. And like Vipin said, they quickly realized we need to get our people up to speed. It's a mindset change, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we had hackathons in each one of the locations they had around the globe. It was a competition. So each um, area had to come up with their own innovative use case and then we locked ourselves in a room and spent 12 hours building out the use case. And uh, it was really fun, right? So it accomplished two distinct things. Number one, first and foremost, um, it got new capabilities out to the business, which was the ultimate goal. But perhaps equally as important, it got their resources up to speed on what it's going to take to deliver on the cloud strategy. So completely agree that been great points. Thank you. Thank you for, for giving us more of a broad definition of hackathon. Chris, last final thoughts. What do you think? Yeah, I would just recognize that the change is hard, right? And, and so mm -hmm. having worked at some large companies trying to go through this cloud mindset change, you know, there's this idea, right, of these hackathons happening over the weekend with a pizza, right? And they're coming out with these innovative use cases. But it's really about... How do you get traction in the business, right? And how does that get through to, say, the finance team that's funding these IT projects going from a waterfall budget to an agile sprint mindset, right? So I think, as Vipin was saying, it's really important to enable and empower your, your staff, not just in IT, but like Vipin also said, the team sport, right? You've got to get the leadership, finance, everybody on board with this cloud mindset and give everybody the resources to be succeed. And, you know, t becoming an app factory is not turning on a switch. It's, it's a, a series of steps, like Vipin said, with Crawl Walk Run. So. Thank you. I remember Sarah and Vipin talking about hackathons. I once participated in a dance-a-thon to raise money for muscular dystrophy around the September timeframe when Jerry Lewis used to host, uh, anybody remember Jerry Lewis, the actor, comedian, and he used to host a uh, muscular dystrophy telethon. And in that spirit, when I was in Eugene, Oregon, somebody talked me into participating. I was a dancer, I was teaching dance, I had a professional dance partner, and we were locked into a, a gymnasium with no windows. And what they gave us, Sarah, wasn't pizza. They gave us donuts at about eight hours into the night, no windows. And we danced until we literally dropped and you had to get sponsors and we raised money for, for muscular dystrophy. It was quite an experience. Wow. I, could, I couldn't walk for three days after. Uh, people were delirious yeah. by the time they let us out. I think it was overnight. I think it was 24 hours. And it was, so my, my day we were doing dance with us, not hack with us. But Sarah, Sarah and Vipin and Chris, I think we should, we should do a virtual hack 
hackathon. I don't know. We just leave Zoom on and we just live on Zoom and get a whole bunch of people involved. That might be a new, a new interesting thing. We don't have time for predictions, but we've been talking in a future tense about what companies can, should do, will do in order to adopt a cloud strategy. I love the team sport idea, the idea of hackathon, the citizen developer, really good ideas. I want everybody to put your hands together and thank Chris Aaron. Chris, thank you for Vipin and Sarah. Let's thank Chris for putting together this topic and this panel. Chris, I appreciate it. You and I worked together on, on the abstract for the show and you engaged two very, very interesting people for the panel. Shout out also to Dana Corder at SAP. Dana is with us, full-time employee now. Dana has been working with me on the show for over a year now. And Dana and Ira Burke at SAP are the sponsors of the series. Again, thank you to my engineer, Aaron Keller. He calls himself my sidekick. He worked very hard to get that title. And I want to say thank you to all of our listeners. I hope you've enjoyed and appreciated and learned something. So here's my call to action. I got to do it beat beat as they French say fast. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? I used to say my car is getting two and a half months to the gallon. Now it's probably about a month to the gallon. Okay. Just driving a little bit. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Just like Sarah Lottman at Deloitte. Thank you to Deloitte for loaning us Sarah to us. Thank you to Chris Aaron at SAP and Vipin Varapurath at SAP for sharing your wisdom, your words of words of wiseness, and your intelligent approach to cloud adoption. Thank you, everybody. Wave goodbye. Thanks, Sign everybody. Off. Bye-bye to our Game Changers audience. Bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. 